Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My, My name, name is Sergio. Tyler. And today, Tyler, we're talking all about the biggest game of the season. You guessed it, the national championship game. We're going to talk about the semis that happened in the playoffs. Two very One game went as we expected. The other game was a big surprise. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, very, very much so. We'll then talk about the national championship game that is coming up this Monday uh, in Miami, Florida. Uh, then we're going to do some coaching carousel stuff. It's silly season, Tyler. It's officially silly, silly season. Best time of the year. Uh, I think best time of the year, second only to our final topic, which is just a little, we're going to dab our feet a little bit into the draft season by talking about some NFL things at the end of the show. All right? Ooh, I'm excited. I know. Excited. Well, excite, excited is one word. Excited is a way to put it. Um, all right, let, let's let's start off with the, um, what do we call it? The Corsage Bowl? Yeah, the Corsage Bowl. The, 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 the Corsage Bowl. Rose Bowl. The, the Rose Bowl, but not really the Rose Bowl. <laughs> The Rose the Rose Bowl this year was um, what is it called was a uh, was an exile. Yeah, they were in exile this year. They had to find they were a refugee. They had to find solace in the Dallas Texas Fort Worth area. Um, all right, it's Alabama thirty one, Notre Dame fourteen. This game went close to exactly how we thought it would. Yeah, I mean the score isn't quite really indicative of how badly Notre Dame got beat. Yeah. Uh, 31 to 14 but mm-hmm. that was it was really 31 to 7 and even then it was really like 31, 31 nothing. nothing like at no point in yeah. this game did i think Alabama was gonna lose ever mm-hmm. it was uh correct and that's not to discredit notre dame is a good team i mean there mm-hmm. are very few teams that would have been able to put up a fight at all and right but i mean when you had heisman winner Devonte smith on one end um which yes exactly. we haven't, we haven't talked about, about that, that since that happened congrats to Devonte smith congrats i think he we deserved are, it we were very openly a kyle trask for heisman podcast but i think i think the right decision given the last of the four finalists month and a half, mm-hmm. well the thing is for the longest time i didn't think it was going to go to Devonte smith like i didn't really think it right. i didn't I really just, think it had a shot because i didn't think they gave it to a wide receiver me, me neither but they did, and I'm happy that they did. I think that he, had, yeah, I, of the four candidates, um, he probably fits what we would a normal Heisman would be the most. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that he got it. He showed up in me this too. game. Me too. Um, he'll probably he show did. up next week too. But <laughs> he was great. Uh, Mac Jones was, you know, his normal self. Bama's defense just shook Notre Dame all night long. And Notre Dame's, yeah. Notre Dame's defense had some answers here and there, but it's they didn't really. Um, I don't know. They just didn't, they didn't have the athletes on the outside to 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 be able to right. stop Bama's speed. So mm-hmm. there was a point where there was a point where Saban kind of forced um, Notre Dame to to be like, all right, the way that you're going to beat us is by stopping Devontae Smith, and we all knew that yeah. wasn't going to happen. They they schemed in a way to be able to give space vertically along the sides and also um, quick cutting routes on the inside, very similar to, um, to, I want to say to a second year. Yeah. Um, not the, not the year, not when he won the national championship, obviously, but the, the second year. So his first full year as a starter, there was a lot of scheme wide receivers into space across the middle and just let them go to work. The formula, how, 
well, the formula that every college football team should do, which is get the ball to your best players in space and let them do their thing. Um, and that's what that's what Alabama did. There were times when Alabama attacked to use the vertical game to go downfield. Um, but there were also times, and the majority of the time, they kind of schemed inside the middle of the field. And I thought, that's great because um, you know that the Bama offensive line is going to give Mac Jones tons of time, um, even though there were some really good – like that's the thing. The Alabama's so good, Tyler, that this Notre Dame team – is probably one of the best Notre Dame teams we've seen in a while. And they didn't even have a chance no, to compete. No, they didn't have a shot. You know? They didn't have a shot. Like, it wasn't even – no, it, it wasn't even close. Like, you said that at, at no point in this game did you think that Bama was going to lose. Personally, it was, all right, cool. Are they going to cover Yeah. the 21 point, the 20-point spread? I was like, cool, this is going to be interesting to see if they cover. And credit to Notre Dame because they were down – they were down big quick. I think it was like – 21 it was 21 nothing i think at a, at a think certain so. point or or it's 21 nothing at a point and at the end of the first half um notre dame was like all right listen we're not going to put a goose egg in the first half and they put together a really good drive a really sustainable it was the ian book that we saw against clemson in the first game that they played you know it was very good very meticulous a, a switch was made and they ended up going downfield and getting a touchdown before the half great wonderful 21 for 21 7 and a half but then Alabama comes out and they dominate again, and you don't see another one of those well put meticulous drives until three minutes left in the game, where they go down, they drive, they score another touchdown, they ironically get the onside kick after Devontae Smith bobbles the ball on on the onside kick on on hands team, and then they end up squandering it because there's just not enough time there. You know what I mean? It, it was just a story of Alabama clearly being the better football team and Notre Dame just. Not having the players, you know, there's there comes a point where you can scheme all you want, but the player that's bigger, faster, stronger than you is going to beat you. Yeah, you know, basically, yeah. And, and that's what we saw. That's what we saw. So, um, I don't have much else to say about this game other than Devonte Smith is a robot because he went down hard on one of those touchdowns, um, and he like he looked pretty. I don't want to say he looked pretty bad, but it looked it pretty a, rough you know, at he, times. Your mind, your mind, your mind's going a lot of different places when something like that happens. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to see him. You don't want to see him uh, get hurt or anything no. like that. Like, it's not. It's not something that you you ever want to see. Um, Tyler, I want to ask you real quick. What do you think Devonte Smith's stat line was um, for this game? Because it's it's absurd. It's like one of the most absurd stat lines in a semifinal game I've ever seen. He had like three touchdowns, right? He did have three touchdowns, yes. Okay. Is it like 200 and something yards, 201 yards? It's not, okay. but it's a it, but it is a perfect game and I'll tell you why. He was targeted 7 times. He had 7 receptions. He was targeted 7 times, he had 7 receptions okay. and three touchdowns. Oh boy. Like that that you're not going to be able to stop. You're not going to be able to beat a team when um when their best player is able to literally do whatever he wants on the Just field. Just whatever he wants, yeah. Yeah, seven yeah. for seven, 130, and three touchdowns. Now, yeah, that's one of those things where, like, it's easy to say, oh, stop Devontae Smith. Like, that's it's easy to say that. It's much harder to do it. But, like, exactly. you can't win a game when the best wide receiver in the country is allowed to do whatever he wants. Well, when confirmed the best player in the country, according to the Heisman, which you and I take stock in, um, yeah. is doing whatever he wants, so... 
Um, all right, anything else about this Bama Notre Dame game? I know we've already spent too much time talking about this. Uh, credit <laughs> to Notre Dame for a great season, but we all knew it was going to happen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This was this was happening. It was it was obvious. Um, Tyler, I want to bid farewell to the Corsage Bowl, and I want to enter stage right the um, Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl taking that took place between number two Clemson. I think they were number two, right? Yeah, number two. Number two, Clemson, and number three, Ohio State. Tyler, this is a game that we both expected to be a close football game, a game that was going to go back and forth, a game similar to what we saw last year from them in the Fiesta Bowl, in that fantastic football game that ended in a Justin Fields interception. This was the complete opposite. This was Ohio State 49, Clemson 28, and it was all contained in a dominant second quarter by Ohio State. If you look at the quarter-by-quarter score lines, both teams are even with 14 points in the first, 7 in the third, 7 in the fourth. But then there's a 21-point difference in the second quarter where Clemson scored none and Ohio State scored three touchdowns. Tyler, what was the biggest thing from this game? Why was this such a big surprise? And do you expect to see it happen again Um by Ohio State. Do you expect Ohio State to have another one of these dominant performances? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I think what happened in this game was that Ohio State played the best game they've played all season. Justin Fields right. threw six touchdowns and had one interception. Mm-hmm. That was, it was what it was, but he he threw six touchdowns. Yeah. And all of them were, well, sorry, not all of them, but most of them, the the big ones, were bombs deep to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Yeah. And... It's, I think part of it, part, part of it is that uh, Clemson's corners just could not cover on the back end. Right. Just no, nothing was nothing was going right for Clemson's defense. Mm-hmm. Nolan Turner was out in the first half, one of their safety leaders, and then in, in, James Skalski gets ejected and he misses the second half when Nolan Turner comes back because of all the right. targeting stuff. But even then, their corners can't really cover downfield. I mean, there's one play in particular where the, the, Darian Kendrick is so close to Chris Olave. He almost broke it up, uh-huh. but he was like two inches away. Yeah. And it was like a 60-yard touchdown. Um, So, and also you look on the flip side, and Clemson scored 28 points, so I'm not, let's, you know, it's not like they were they're terrible Trevor Lawrence, future Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, threw for 400 yards. Right. But um, Trevor Lawrence, well, the Clemson offense was missing their offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, they had their quarterback, so Brendan Streeter, who knew the offense well, and it produced. But it's a matter of, like, early on in the scripted part of the, of the, of the show, it was fine. Right. And then later on, it kind of got out of rhythm. It didn't go quite smoothly as it usually does mm-hmm. and additionally ohio state's defensive line was playing out of their minds their corners weren't didn't get exposed clemson didn't have the usual amount of receiver talent that they do this year mm-hmm. right. most of them are injured they, i mean justin ross is still on the team he's just injured like mm-hmm. and ohio state played their best game justin field played the best game of his career they turned it into a track meet and clemson couldn't really keep up yeah so that that's yeah. kind of what happened i mean reality is is that like when justin 
Fields has performance like that, I mean, right? What, what 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 are you gonna do? Like, and I think there's I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. I, I I agree with everything that you said, and I feel like one way that Ohio State turned it into a track meet was they just went no huddle. They said, forget this. We're not gonna let you, the Clemson defense, get a chance to even set yourself up. We're gonna expose you so bad quickly in terms of speed. That we're just gonna scheme the scheme to get their best, you know, whatever college everything in college football goes down to get the ball to your best player in space and let them yeah do, right. The way that they did that was by just having Clemson's fantastic defense because we know it's a great defense. Just having them not get set, you know, it's similar. Yeah, I, I had I had a PTSD because it's very similar to what um, it's very similar to what Alabama did to Florida in the first half of the SEC championship game where it was just so clearly a strategy to just not get them set. Very similar to what LSU did. Very similar to what, like, most teams, that if they did their homework on Florida and knew, hey, this defense isn't going to be able to get set, you know, yeah, that's what's going to happen. So they said they did that. That's exactly what they did. I also think, um, I think it's Stefanski. The Clemson linebacker ends up going Skalski? out with a tar- Skalski, there we go. And it ends up getting out, going out of the game early with a targeting call that goes literally straight into Justin Fields' hip and very clearly affects Justin Fields for the rest of the game. But I, I'm going to go, I'm going to zig while people are zagging. I think that that injury just propelled Justin Fields to a whole nother level. You could see the man, clearly he was very hurt. His hip was every throw. He went, There was a clip that they showed that he hopped on the exercise bike and he just like was rawling in pain. He he was hurting. They they definitely took oh, him yeah. to that tent. They they uh they he said, What are you guys giving me? And he said, Don't worry about it. Ask questions later. That's what the trainer <laughs> says to him because they had to have given him something to be able to get through that football game because he was hurting. Like it was bad. Yeah. Um so be- after that though, he turns into the Justin Fields that we saw all throughout last season. Yeah. That we are like this is clearly the second best like well, Trevor's Trevor's the best prospect since Andrew Luck. So like, there's no one's gonna overtake Trevor. But if there's ever gonna be someone, it's Justin Fields. Like he had the best oh, chance yeah. to do so. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, this this kind of solidified, and it's kind of stupid because it's just one game, right? But remind- but Tyler, that's all we do. We take stock in one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. And this is the most important game of the season. Um, exactly. It reminded us. That oh Justin Fields is still good. It's yes Justin Fields, and I said this before. This is Justin Fields' third year in college, but it's his second year starting. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence had a dip in his second year starting. Correct. G- Justin Fields is having the same thing, mm-hmm. um, and I think also a part of it is that like Clemson couldn't stop Trey Sermon in the run game, right? And while that didn't necessarily break the game open, it allowed Justin Fields play action passing exactly and. If you let that big boy stand in the pocket and fire down to fields of those receivers, you're just asking for trouble. And and he showed it in both of those super long touchdown passes. I think specifically the second one was so Okay, Tyler, you talk about seeing deep throws by Trevor Lawrence and wanting to risk it all. Mm-hmm. I watched this game Got a little frisky. With, so I watched this game with my girlfriend. Ooh. And I'm sitting next to her, and I saw that Trevor, uh, Justin Fields throw, and I thought, I think I'm ready to risk it all. With her sitting next to me, Tyler. That is how beautiful of a throw that was. Like, the man chucked it 65 yards downfield, put it in the bread basket, and you could see the Clemson defensive backs, like, do all they can to get there. But 
no one is getting to that football. Yeah, no one yeah. was getting – Charles Woodson wasn't getting to that football. You know what I mean? Like it, Vernon Hargraves at Florida in his prime at UF wasn't getting to that football. Some of the yeah. best DBs we've seen. Like that was such a well-placed ball. It's it, it's so clearly cemented himself as a second-best uh, quarterback. And I would like to go on record on this podcast and say uh, I apologize. Uh, I apologize for the Zach Wilson QB2 propaganda that I have spewed this season because – Mm-hmm. I saw similar I, – I saw Zach Wilson make – the reason I put Zach Wilson QB2 in my eyes was because I saw him make similar throws to that. In one throw, Justin Fields said, I can do that better. And I went, all right, cool. Thank you. I get yeah. you. Well, I get you. You know, it was really funny to me, just stepping out of this playoff talk for a second, it's really funny to me to have this game happen. The Jaguars have already secured the number one pick. All my mm-hmm. Jaguars friends that aren't like college football nuts like me, but they right. love the Jaguars – we're like so excited to get Trevor Lawrence. They watched this game where Trevor Lawrence actually played well. In this he game. did. He did play well. Um, he still threw for 400 yards. <laughs> like, and they're like, oh my God, what if, what if we take Justin Fields? Are we making the wrong decision? I was like, I have spent months trying to tell people that it would be okay to draft Justin Fields at number two because he's Correct. really good. He's just not Correct. having a great, because we just have to establish in our mind, like we established Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is good. So even when he has a bad game, it's out of, character just in my right. opinion justin fields is good so he's not having the best season okay mm-hmm. you know out of character covid year mm-hmm. and i had to spend months of these people trying to convince them and convince everyone that justin fields was perfectly fine at, at pick number two right and then we get pick number one we have trevor lawrence who's much, much um, clearly a better prospect so mm-hmm. i was like great and now they're like oh are we making the wrong decision and i want no. to pull my hair out no, like, no, no Jags fans who are not Tyler and friend of the pod, Michael Phillips, who knows better. No, absolutely yeah. not. Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect since Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck was the best prospect in I don't know how long. We're talking the upper echelon of quarterback prospects. We're talking a guy who was the number one draft pick from his second or third game from his freshman year at Clemson. Unequivocally, unequivocally, the number one pick. This is... Trevor Lawrence is a sure thing. The floor, Jax fans, listen to me. The floor with Trevor Lawrence, the floor, is a multiple-time Pro Bowl quarterback. The oh, floor. Wow. Oh, wow. You're, the floor. You are more confident than I. The ceiling? The ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the heavens. The ceiling is St. Peter at the gates of heaven. That's what the ceiling is. So, Jax fans, stop it. Trevor Trevor Lawrence is the pick. The card is already in place. The, the, oh, yeah. You don't need you don't need a GM or a coach for that card to be in place. He's the guy. All right. Yeah. Um, Justin Fields is, in our opinion, and I think I can say this for you, Tyler, is the best quarterback prospect outside of Trevor Lawrence. I agree. He is for sure. Now, I don't think he is as sure of a thing as Trevor Lawrence, but then again, Trevor Lawrence is a once in a generational talent. Yeah, it's, it's, not, not, it's that, not taking anything away. It's from not Justin taking Fields to not anything away from Fields. No, you saw what he did, and in any other year, literally any other year, Justin Fields is the number one overall pick. Yeah, and rightfully so. And rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Justin Fields, the thing that maybe puts him apart is that he's still got a little bit of this. I mean, it's kind of, I don't know what quarterback to best equate it to. Probably a little bit like of the Carson Wentz ism, of he just kind of really believes in himself when he's in the pocket in this in mm-hmm. the sense of like he'll just hang in there and he'll okay. just wait yeah. he'll just yeah, wait he'll just wait he'll just wait 
Because you got to wait for those deep balls to come open. Correct. Because he's got the arm to get it as far as he needed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he didn't necessarily have the best pocket movement, but, I mean, it's fine. Right. And he's got a bit of a long baseball kind of release. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of the Felipe Franks release. Little but, bit. I mean, this was this was the best game I've ever seen him play. Yeah. And just they schematically, Ohio State was... Ohio State was being the aggressor to Clemson's defense, and Clemson's mm-hmm. defense usually sets the tone for the games that they play. Exactly. Even in, la- in last year's game, Clemson's mm-hmm. defense, for most of the game, especially for the second half, they were mm-hmm. the ones setting the tone for against Ohio State's offense. Yeah. Not in this and game. I think, I think also going back, and I think from here we can move on, but I think going back to what you talked about, how Clemson was out without their offensive coordinator, like you said, the first quarter seemed great because it was all scripted. But then once the quarterback's coach, who had experience on staff, as we mentioned, once the quarterback's coach kind of had to go into the playbook and kind of start calling plays like one would normally do, it seemed like uh, the Ohio State defense was more prepared for that quarterback run that you talked about a lot. It seemed like Clemson wasn't calling plays in a way that that quarterback option, that Trevor Lawrence coming downfield at you, um, before I know you hope a slide, but most likely just putting his shoulder down. Um, See, you know, you know, real quick. <laughs> as a defender of the QB run, I was fine with it. Like <laughs> you everybody were so else, torn. like, why are they you running? Were my so court? torn. I mean, yeah, sure, but like, I I just went on. I just remember going on Twitter. like, why are they running my quarterback? I'm like, because he's six six, <laughs> can run like a four six. And wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're trying well, to win that, a football game here. So that just tells me that you watch this game either in person or virtually or on Twitter with a bunch of Jags fans that just haven't seen the, Trevor Lawrence play football in college before. Because that, if, you've watched, if you've actually watched Trevor Lawrence, you know he's going to run. He runs it like eight times a game. Yeah. Like, it's a thing that happens. It's, it's the, part I mean, of the game. He, he, he's massive and he trucks people. Like, yeah. they, they let him do it. Like And I, and I think... I think Clemson they, was prepared for that. I yeah. think Ohio State, sorry, was prepared for that. That defense, that's, and, and they, that's part of what stopped him up. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, all and right. Additionally, Clemson's mm-hmm. uh, sorry, Ohio State's defensive line played really well against Clemson's offensive line. Trevor Lawrence did not have a lot of time back there. Yeah, still threw four hundred yards, but if you had more time, mm-hmm. could have made some better decisions. Could have kept them in the game a little bit more. But again, right. the game wasn't really decided. Clemson's offense to Ohio State's defense. The game right. was decided Ohio State's offense against Clemson's, Clemson's defense. defense. There was just there, sure. no, there were nothing. There was nothing no, they were sure. doing. Justin Fields had the game of his life, mm-hmm. and you know I'm kind of I'm kind of happy for him because like I wouldn't have had a problem with Alabama Clemson part seven like six or seven. Like <laughs> honest to God, like I really wouldn't have had a problem with it. Neither would I. Neither. Would but I. this is this is what I talked about the other week when I said that like you got to remember like in its current form, mm-hmm. the playoff. I think people think the playoff was meant to put four teams that are ready ready to compete for the national title against each other when the reality is is that it was really just meant so when there's a debate at two or three the teams can decide it and not us yeah Yeah. and this is an example of that yep i agree number four had no shot and i don't think there's a four in the there's a number four that you could have put in there that would have had a shot against alabama yeah i don't think i don't think you can put a&m in there i don't think you can put oklahoma who finished six in there i don't i don't think you could put florida in there like all that stuff where you know yeah none none of these teams and i just mentioned florida because they 
Florida gave Alabama the, the, champ, be, the, the best, the, right? The toughest. I'm not saying Florida deserved to be in the four spot. I do no. not think. So. I do not think that but, by far. But Florida at their best could hang with exactly. Alabama. But even then, like Florida then, didn't do it everything in the season, and everything needs to go well for it to happen. And like we say, you already played them. You had your chance, and you didn't do it. So. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of I'm excited to see an Alabama Ohio State national championship game because so yeah, me too. Interestingly, I didn't know this. Those two teams have never met for the national championship. Oh, I did not know that either. They met for a playoff game in 2014. Okay. I remember that. Uh, they met in other games, but they never actually played in the national championship game, mm-hmm. the two teams against each other. So so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Natty, because before we get into the actual stuff on the field, there has been talk and conversation of maybe postponing the national championship game because of COVID concerns at Ohio State. This has been marred with controversy. Even Saban's daughter ended up tweeting on the night of the Heisman Wait, and saying, Kristen, what are you doing? What you, what you, what you, you know what's funny? So the Heisman ceremony started at 7. Okay? Yeah. The ceremony starts at 7. That tweet goes goes out around like 7.07, 7.10, right? Because they obviously mention it. Reese Davis mentions it at the top of the show. And she tweets it. And Nick Saban is in the Alabama Athletic Center. Right? He's in the Alabama He's Athletic there. Center. He's there. Him and Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, he has two Heisman finalists on his team. He's there. He's on camera doing interviews. And throughout the entire time, right, he's there. And I want to say 15 minutes after Saban's daughter posted that tweet, the tweet comes down. And I just want to just tip my hat to a fantastic parenting job by Nick Saban to be in the Alabama facility. I know she's a grown woman. I know this. But to be in the Alabama facility to be doing interviews with ESPN the day that two of your players are Heisman finalists and one of them will end up winning the award, to, to take the time out to call your daughter, give her an earful, and mention how she's not only making herself look bad, but looking the Saban family and the Alabama community look bad. Just, just let me tell you, Tyler, just grade A parenting by Nick Saban. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was a feat. I was astonished. When it happened, I was like, wait, it's already gone? She already issued an apology? Saban's on TV. How did he do this? How do you do it? <laughs> How does he do this? He's the goat. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So, with all that being said, they are still planning to play this game. It is going to be in Miami. It is Monday night. It's an eight o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Alabama's currently an eight-point favorite over Ohio State. Alabama's twelve and zero. Ohio State's seven and zero. Tyler, I need to know. Number one, what do you think is going to happen? And number two. How can Ohio State win this football game? Because the consensus at the moment is that Alabama is head and shoulders, the best team in the country, and it seems like you can't stop Devontae Smith. And when you do sort of kind of bump Devontae Smith, they can give the ball off to the player who finished fifth in Heisman voting, Najee Harris. How how can Ohio State win this game? What do you think is going to happen? Okay. Let me get out of the way that I think Alabama is going to win this game. I share the sentiment. I think it will follow a lot of the. It will follow in the footsteps of the Ole Miss and the Florida game, where like this is one of the better offenses that they faced all season, mm-hmm. with the best quarterback that they faced all season. Um, yeah. From a professional prospect perspective, um, well, maybe not the great, one having the best season, but great caveat, great caveat, Tyler. Yeah, <laughs> but you're talking about Matt Corral, right? Y- y- oh, sure, 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 sure. yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey, best returning quarterback in the SEC. Um, oh, I can't wait to have that conversation in the offseason. But 
So I, I think that Ohio State's got all the tools. They've got the coach. They've got everything they need to put up points in Alabama. I think mm-hmm. Alabama's going to come out, come out on top. But the way Ohio State can win, specifically, is really honestly following pretty much the same offensive game plan that they followed against um, Clemson. Sense mm-hmm. of like, give it to Trey Sermon, let him run to give Justin Fields time in, in the pocket to throw downfield. Because, I mean, Patrick Sertan's great and all, but he... If, if he ain't covering Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave for eight seconds. Yeah. That's not, and no one is, no one at the collegiate level is like mm-hmm. Justin Fields. He made, he's not going to need, he played the the perfect game um, against Clemson. He doesn't need to be to play the perfect game, but he needs to play closer to that than he has been playing the rest of the season. Yeah. So you need to continue to get the tight ends more involved like they did against Clemson. You need to run run well which i think is possible but by doing that you need to open up your downfield passing because get, when you are getting just fields to go five wide but he has to it's that dink and duck kind of stuff not his best forte especially when he doesn't have a running game right to to loosen that up but if you give him if you give him play action with his weapons he'll be able to open it up deep that's the way that Ohio State can win this additionally their defensive line just causing havoc um yeah. Also, Sean Wade not getting embarrassed, like, and I think Sean Wade's a good player. Not having he's the best definitely, season. He's definitely but he's, exactly. But he's going up against Devontae Smith, like, right. So just don't get embarrassed. So, so that's my thing. Where I think, I think the biggest tape because you talked a lot about the Clemson. I'm sorry, the Ohio. I'm already conditioned. Like I thought it was. Just, I mean, yeah, I'm Clemson part forty four. Same thing. Like, yeah, no, but I think, I think you were you you talked very well about the Ohio State offense against the Bama defense. On the flip side, the Bama offense against the Ohio State defense, I need everyone to go back and watch the second half of the Ohio State-Indiana game. That's the blueprint. Yeah. That's the blueprint. What did they? What did Indiana do? They went vertical. They said, they said, put these boys on an island, make them beat them, and Michael Penix Jr. is good. I think Mac Jones collegiately right now, I think Mac Jones is the better quarterback. Yeah. He's going to make better throws. Um, I love the Indiana receiver core, but we're talking about Devontae Smith here. Yeah. We're we're talking about Waddle practicing this week and may be able to go. And I while st- I still don't think it's going to happen, I am I am with you. But I still the mere don't think it'll thought. happen. But the mere thought, you know why? You know why? This is this is next level. We talk about chess, not checkers. I've I think I've I texted this to you and Michael yesterday about a different topic. I think I'm going to start using this phrase when I think it's just out of this world intelligence and 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 scheming and planning it's invisible chess against checkers yeah. it's playing chess in your mind it's some queen's gambit type stuff like yeah it, it, it's really good and, and that's what Saban's doing here he's saying oh waddle's gonna practice so that ohio state has to go oh shoot what happens when they line up with well, now they gotta pri- they gotta prepare for it they gotta now practice prepare for it if waddle doesn't play that is useless mental time that is useless mental space wasted thinking about a player that isn't even in the game Invisible chess, not checkers. Nick Saban, the king at it, or the queen, if we're going chess references. Haha, <laughs> didn't. I mean, anyway, okay. yeah, okay. Well, the queen's more versatile. The queen's more versatile. No, the chess. queen's the most important player on the board. Exactly. Thank you. I this, was just this like, is there is a, a king in chess. <laughs> there is, but the king just stands there. It does not. The king's a bitch. Listen, chess is a feminist. Chess is a feminist icon game, and change my mind. Change my mind. Welcome to my TED talk. All right, so back to the football game. I think that that's what's going to have to happen. Ohio State can do 
whatever it wants on offense to keep up. I truly believe Alabama, it's similar to what we talked about in the Florida game. I think Ohio State's offense can keep up because I love Justin Fields. Um, Chris Olave is fantastic. Trey Sermon is fantastic. They have the weapons. I just don't think it's enough to keep up with Mac Jones throwing the ball to Devontae Smith and Najee Harris running the football. I just don't. I think I think it's 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 a thing where Ohio State needs to Ohio State needs to win the coin toss, get the ball to start the second half, win the middle eight, and then hope that their defense gets two stops. Yeah. That's it. Because that's 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 the formula for me. Because I think Alabama's offense is so good in this case, you know? I agree. Yeah, I, I and it's funny with the game plan I gave for Justin Fields in Ohio State. It's the game plan that Alabama's going to use. It's basically yeah. like we run Najee Harris and then we throw off of that, mm-hmm. and guess what? No one's been able to stop them all season, right? And that's you know it's it's going to be interesting. It will um, be interesting. It's going to be a indeed. fun game. I am very excited. Yeah, I, right. I think this game is going to live up to the hype. We, we were I was a bit disappointed in the Ohio State Clemson game because it was like. This was supposed to be a close, fun game, whatever. That we it was really the, fun in the first half. And exactly. Then it was, yeah. It, it we was, knew we knew the Bama game was going to be the Bama game in the semi. So I'm hoping for a fantastic game. I think it'll live up to expectations. Uh, Tyler, we both have Alabama on Monday night. Yes, uh, sir. We'll be back. Would after love the show. to be shocked. I, I as I, a person who as a person who doesn't hate Ohio State, right? Like. Would love to be shocked. I just I'm thinking with my head here, and I think I'm exactly win. like I think I think for you personally, Tyler, you Tyler K. Williams, the Jags fan, I think Alabama winning would be the easiest thing on your brain. That's a really good point. As much <laughs> as I would love to be wrong about Alabama winning, and I want I I don't I don't hate Ohio State. Ohio State gets on my nerves a little bit, but I don't hate them. All right, a I lot don't of people them. a lot of people here in South Florida hate them because of the 2000 and 2000 2001 whatever the festival. Against Miami, which I get. A lot of people in Gainesville hate him because Ohio State because Urban Meyer was like, <clears throat> I'm sick. And then the next year took the job and, and all this and left. Yeah, but that's an Urban Meyer problem. That's not an Ohio but, State. Ohio but State would be met, stupid to not take it. I agree, but I have met people that have that mentality. I've also met people across the country that are like, I just can't stand Ohio State in the way probably a lot of people in the north are like, I can't stand Alabama. And I get it. I get it. I get it. But if Ohio State wins, Tyler, you're going to get this Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields talk for a long time. And I'm not saying that the Jags are going to fall into it. I think the Jags will make a smart enough GM. I think GM the, the decision's been made. The like, decision's been made. But to save yourself the headache, my friend, save yourself the headache, I think you should want Alabama to win. That's a good point. To save yourself That's a headache. really good point. Because yeah. if Justin Fields plays well but doesn't win, that'll cement him at two. Yep. If he wins... People oh go stop talking. Oh, yeah. Then again, Deshaun Watson gave Nick Saban everything he could handle for like two straight years, and he, you know, got drafted at like 15. Racism. Um, we're moving <laughs> forward. We're moving forward. We have our picks. And let, speaking of underrepresentation of black people in college football, let's talk about coaches. <laughs> let's talk about coaches, Tyler. Let's talk about coaching. Um, the silly season has begun. The silly season has begun. And, Tyler, I want to introduce a new game. And it's called. It's very simple. I, the new, the games I come up with are just very. They're basically this or that. And I just mentioned the this or that in the title. I don't know why I say it's a new game. It's the same game, just it a different. 
you know, it's kind of smart because it doesn't really require too much explanation from you. Like, <laughs> so this, it's very so this clear, game, like what we're doing. I told you before we started recording, but I didn't think I needed to. I could have just told you, "Hey, we're gonna do something." You'll be like, "All right, you'll explain it." I'm like, yeah, it'll be in the title. <laughs> so yeah. So this is called good bot, good hire, bad hire, or meh. And those are the rules. Tyler, are you ready to begin? Red fish, blue fish, one fish, two fish. Let's go. <laughs> That's what that sounds like to me. And you know what? Some of these hires sound like that to me too. So let's start off with the biggest program. I be- I think that we can both agree the biggest program. Uh, it's Louisiana Monroe. No, I'm playing. <laughs> um, Texas has gotten rid of Tom Herman, who before the season, I'm sorry, before the year ended, the calendar year ended, of 2020 before we entered the, tw- the year 2021 um the texas offensive uh, office coordinator the texas athletic director said hey tom herman is our coach and we thought great wonderful he's got Makes that sense. quote unquote vote of confidence they're going to give him one more year covid they maybe don't have the money i mean well texas always has the money but maybe they just don't want to spend the money right now maybe they were really in on urban and urban turned them down so they said we might as well just run this back one more year boom that was all a lie they fire Tom Herman, and they hire Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. And for those uninitiated, Steve Sarkeesian, former head football coach at USC and former head football coach at the University of Washington. Um, I think I'm going to say this from the beginning, Tyler, and this is not something to speculate. I don't want to speculate on someone's health and anything. Steve Sarkeesian has come out in the past and said the reason that he it didn't work at USC and the reason they let him go was because he had a problem with substance abuse, specifically alcohol. He had an yeah. alcohol problem. He said that very he would open stay very open about it. He said that he would stay at the office very late and would just get drunk, and it affected his work. It affected his personal life. Thankfully, he has said to us that he has that under control, and the Saban, yeah, ironically, we, ironically, we call it the Saban rehab camp, but in this case, he, he really yeah. rehabilitated himself as a person, and I wish him absolutely nothing from the best. You know, we 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 both know people that have suffered from that disease, um, whether close friends to ours or family members, and mm-hmm. you never want that. We never want someone to go through that. So, good on him for getting that. Now, with that being said, good on him for getting help. Yeah. With that being said, Tyler, football wise, is this a good hire? Is he a fit at Texas? Good hire, bad hire, meh. What do you think? Meh. I agree. I mean. It just screams, and I could be wrong about this, obviously. Caveat, I'm not going to say that again. Caveat, we could entirely be wrong about all of this, whatever. That's it's podcast. called silly season for a reason. Yeah. Um, eh. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of feels like another Tom Herman to me, in which case kind of had Tom Herman. And right. I, was, I almost was interested, because I thought he was going to come back. I was almost interested to see what Tom Herman's time at Texas would have looked like without Sam Ellinger. That, I was I was thinking the same thing because Sam Ellinger was so entrenched with the Texas. That program. was quarterback like, for all four years that he was there. Well, he's we, an Austin kid. He local this and that. Sam Ellinger, even though his time is parallel and hand in hand with Tom Herman, I think he'll be remembered much more fondly in Texas oh, yeah. than Tom Herman was. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Even though they're both, I think, I think they're both pretty responsible for for what happened over the past four years. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's interesting. Additionally, it's part of like, yeah, Sark operated one of the most efficient offenses we've ever seen. 
mm-hmm. um, making Mac Jones a Heisman final, having three, two Heisman finalists, three in the top five, right on your team. He didn't recruit those players. Mm-hmm. That was Saban. Yeah, Saban gave him all these weapons, and he he made the most out of it, which I commend him for. But it's also a matter of. But I think before you go on, I think the perfect analogy is if you're given the keys to a Maserati, that Maserati still isn't easy to drive. You know what I yeah. mean? It's yeah. still hard to manage all that stuff. Like, give oh, him yeah, credit. You, know? well, you can have a – I mean, other coaches have come in with just as much talent and had good, not great offenses that won national titles. Mm-hmm. Al- Alabama's offices here is unequivocally fantastic. Yeah. Like, that's a feat. Mm-hmm. But it is a matter of – how effective will Sark be when taking a head coaching role in a different conference with less mm-hmm. talent? Te- Texas still has talent, but they have not been able to develop most of the things that they have. Right. So, I I mean, it could work out, but I just don't really know. And with Lincoln Riley and the you know being your your rival, it's it's. I mean, listen, it's natural. Any Texas coach can be compared to an Oklahoma coach. Barry Schwitzer for the longest time was, and Mac Brown went hand in hand before he retired, like. And Steve Sarkusian and Lincoln Riley are going to be compared. It's it's the two of Justin Herbert. People are going to talk about them and compare about them. It's just it is what it is. And we whether still it's right talk or wrong. about Big Ben, Eli Manning, and Philip Rivers Phillip all Rivers. in the same conversation just because they were drafted the same year. Literally the only reason why. So listen, I, my concern is I think you brought up the um, the question of he's in a new conference. So Steve Sarkusian's success has been in the Pac-12 where he's been able to recruit California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, those mm-hmm. states. Then he came over to Alabama. He's been there for two seasons as the coordinator. So he clearly had to, had to do some recruiting, and that's in the oh, yeah. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, heart of Dixie. He's moving into Texas where he's got to recruit Texas, Oklahoma. He's, he will dip into Louisiana where he has a footprint. He will dip into Arizona where he has a footprint. But it's kind of new territory in terms of, Texas and Oklahoma recruiting where there's a big mm-hmm. chunk of players and listen A&M is doing fantastic with Jimbo Oklahoma is killing it with Lincoln Riley I don't think I don't think if you gave a high school senior right now the choice of I want to play for either Lincoln Riley Jimbo Fisher Steve Sarkeesian Sarkeesian I think Sarkeesian is third on that list you know what yeah. I mean and it's difficult because you can't the Texas brand carries a lot but I think Texas has fallen into this thing where the, the brand is pretty diminished, guys. Like the brand has the potential it's still to be a big what you think. school, so it's going right. to get you over smaller schools. No mm-hmm. one's going to pick. I'd say no one. Ninety nine percent of high school prospects, if offered from Texas Tech, Baylor, and Texas, ninety nine percent of them are going to take Texas. Agreed, because it's Texas. Right. However, but in the big boy conversation that Texas mm-hmm. is in, mm-hmm. they're pretty low on that list. Yeah, like, and that's like, like saying, like, listen, it, it's not a feat for Florida to take a recruit from Kentucky. You know, we need yeah. to be taking recruits from Georgia. And that's the situation that Texas finds itself in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I mean, you're going to get recruits based off the, the new coach factor. Mm-hmm. But in today's era of the early signing periods where most of the classes are set by the time the new coaches come in, mm-hmm. it's a matter of, I mean, for most of these new coaches, your first signing class isn't going to do much for you. Right. Like, just a lot of them end up transferring out. And it's a transition so, class. It, you actually honestly need more time. Um, yeah. We'll see. I'm still mad on it. It could work out, but we'll see. I mean, Listen, I te- yeah. Texas has a good young quarterback and a good young running back in the stable that we were able to see during the Alamo Bowl. 
So I think Steve can make Sarkeesian can make some There's weapons some noise there. with that. He has weapons. I think he'll be able to do it. There's talent on that football team. Uh, it's a matter of can you get them all together? You know. So yeah, that's how I feel about that. Um, I also feel meh just because I need to know. I need to see it. I'm not. It wasn't this like. It wasn't they, for for months. I have a good friend of mine, Kevin Borba, big Texas fan, was talking about Urban Meyer. He was telling me he was he was on conspiracy. He was on Reddit pages and talking about oh, Urban is in Austin. Look at this lampshade from this hotel in your camp. It, like he was deep, man. Unfamiliar with this. He was deep. He was deep. And for for them to now end up with Steve Sarkeesian, it's like oh, okay, you were like knee deep in the Urban conspiracy. Now you, he's all excited about Sark, which yeah. But it's I mean, not Urban Meyer. I I think it's more of he's glad Tom Herman is gone. That's what I feel is the win here. So, all yeah. right, let's let's move on to Auburn, where Gus Malzahn was relieved of his duties. And okay, <laughs> this hire came out of left field, dude. I, I credit to everyone involved in actually making this hire because agreed pff, blew my mind. Brian Harson. The Boise State head coach, he spent seven years at Boise. He was a Boise alum, is coming just super green in terms of the SEC. Um, Tyler, good hire, bad hire, meh. I mean, it's a bit of a meh, but I'm going to go good hire because I think okay. Brian Harson's a good football coach. Mm-hmm. And I think Auburn needed a good football coach. It's also, I can't get out of my mind, part of it is context of knowing what could have happened to Auburn. Yeah. And to end up with all of the silliness today, not quite Tennessee levels, but near 2018 Tennessee level coaching. It was close, dude. It Sorry, was close. Like near, yeah, yeah. In near 2018 Tennessee head coaching search levels mm-hmm. um, of stuff. And to get Brian Harson out of it where I was like, oh, good head football coach um, mm-hmm. who – is on record for being upset with the Mountain West because, and then Boise State even, because they weren't recruiting hard enough. They weren't, like, going, yeah. they weren't being as competitive as you wanted them to be. Not the worst thing in the world to want. And I think that uh, Bo Nix probably get some quarterback development now. I think, I think that's be the an biggest emphasis thing. on good defense. I think mm-hmm. he's a good football coach. So if, if for nothing else, I think this doesn't, this doesn't make you any worse, in my opinion. Right. So I think in that way, it has to be a good hire. I think there, there's a lot of backstory here where you referenced Tennessee in 2018 where Phil Fulmer ended up trying to like get in there and they vetoed Greg Schiano and then they had like a, board, a regents meeting and then people- They vetoed and, Mike Leach. And yeah, like, there, were, there was a lot going on there. And it was similar here, except the difference is the Auburn athletic director really put his foot down and was like, no, boosters, you do not hire. It is my job. I'm going to do this because there was apparently an entire coup, poor choice of words, given now ah! poor choice of words, but this is not a political podcast. We talk about college football, so we're moving on. Um, but there was a coup, essentially. Yeah, we're, talking about Al- we're talking about football in the state of Alabama right now, so it's not. It's, it's a thin margin. <laughs> thin, thin levels here. Um, no, there was a coup to get Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator under Gus Mazan, the job. And it was basically like, f- get... Kevin Steele apparently spent years cultivating these relationships with the boosters and essentially got himself the job. 
and then there was an outrage not only on Twitter but also amongst like Alab- I'm sorry Auburn alumni and the, the fan ab- base was not really okay with it. Fan like, base was not. They good obviously with it. like wanted to keep Kevin Steele, but they're like, no, 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 we're not gonna fire Gus Malzahn just to promote his defensive coordinator. Yeah, no, no, like, no, no. Yeah, that's not that's not something that at all that they wanted. So yeah, for the AD to put his foot down and say, listen. We're going to do this the right way. We're going to actually search for someone. Because it seemed like they hired a search firm to kind of make it look like they were going all the way out. But they weren't. And we all knew this. We all knew this, Tyler. It, it got so bad that the athletic director for Auburn, after they hired Brian Harsons, Harson, sent a letter out to former players and said, we are going to rebuild the integrity of the Auburn football program. We here are going to take over. We here are going to make the shots, make the decisions. It's not going to be just the boosters with money, X, Y, and Z. And for those uninitiated in, maybe you're a Big 12 fan, maybe you're a a Pac-12 fan, and, and you know that stuff goes on in recruiting, but maybe not to the level that you're aware of. Think of the worst thing that could happen in those conferences, and that's probably middle of the pack in the SEC. Like, it is slimy down here and we are yeah. not gonna we're not gonna shy away from that we know okay it is grimy it is, it is yeah. dog eat dog out here and for an auburn athletic director to say we're we're done with the old boys club we're gonna bring someone in i mean they they brought in an, an established football coach so i'm, I'm not a gonna good bring football coach, so a good football coach i think it's, it's still not i'm not crazy about the hire because again correct and i think that experience within your conference is a little overblown but that's mm-hmm. true to an extent in the sense of like your ability to recruit mm-hmm. just just knowing thing. just knowing where to go you know yeah. knowing which knowing high school the attitude of the people around you exactly like, knowing what they expect of you but then again the greatest football coach of all time nick saban went to lsu from Miss- michigan state he's a northern guy he's an ohio he grew guy. up in west virginia grew up in west virginia went to school at kent state and you know, comes down and does Nick Saban things. I do think it's interesting, and this is, I think this is just a weird theory of mine, where we talk a lot about the Saban coaching tree and other schools, especially in the SEC, just trying to poach Saban assistants and, you know, mm-hmm. try to rep, trying to get the next Saban, whatever. I don't think Auburn's gone to the Saban tree hole since. No. And they seem to be the only team to have relative success against Alabama. You know? Who knows? How suspicious. I mean- Dude, how I mean, suspicious part, part of that is just rivalry madness but like yeah 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 but you yeah. know i mean i they, they were never gonna be they were never gonna hire sark no no exactly that was they never gonna happen. happen they like, were they were and there were talks of nick's of nick saban of lane kiffin um they were like rumors that they were going after kiffin but that's obviously after fau and then one year in old miss but since then kiffin the day the Outback Bowl was played, uh, announced that he signed an extension like an hour before kickoff. So it was like, okay, cool. So that was shut down for this year. Yeah. Meaning he that just means he didn't want the Auburn job. You know what I mean? So oh yeah, oh yeah. So all right, I'm with you. I'm gonna go with good hire. I think Harson's a good football coach, and I think in a time where your program was kind of treading water, they had up years, they had down years. They had up years, they had down years. I think Harson is gonna come in and try to give you some consistency and know what to expect from the program, and. It's going to be nice to see how he can succeed with players at a higher caliber that he can recruit. Yeah, he, he can definitely. get better players at Auburn than he can 100%. at Boise. So there's that on that. Um, all right, quickly, a couple of hires here. Jed Fish at Arizona. He's a former Bill Belichick assistant. Um, bad. This is bad hire. I say bad. Bad hire. I, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm not decisive on that. It's just a weird. I don't yeah. think it'll work. 
because the Arizona program is in such a bad shape. Since yeah. Kevin Sumlin got fired. No, so. Well, I mean, like, I my whole thing is that you like you're, you're in such a bad shape. You need help in all areas, including recruiting, stability, and you hire somebody who's never had a college head coaching job before, or an NFL. He, he this is his first head coaching gig, period. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's gonna work out. Yeah, not me either. So it, it's just, but again, I think that's more of a reflection on the Arizona program than it is on him. Definitely. Poor guy, poor guy that this is his first job. You know. Yeah um boise state has yet to name a replacement for brian harson we'll see where that goes uh we talked about clark lee the notre dame defensive coordinator um replacing Derek mason Derek mason by the way joining brian harson as a defensive coordinator at auburn that's gonna mm-hmm. be fun to see it'll be fun to watch it'll be fun to watch iowa fired lovey smith and hired brett Bielema. Illinois. illinois i'm so sorry and hired brett Bielema. what do we think um I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, meh, like, I don't think it's bad. Because mm-hmm. I think Brett Bielema is a good coach. Like, but it's Illinois. Lovey Smith won the most out of anyone there in, like, a long time. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't much. Well, let's let's remember that Brett Bielema, one time, a successful head coach at Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Uh is going to play that Wisconsin style of football at Illinois. So, yeah. It could work for him. I I I can see this being a perennial 7-8 win team. I think that's the ceiling. Um, yeah. but you know what you're getting out of Brett Bielema, so we'll see where it goes, man. We'll see where it goes. Um, Butch Jones takes the job at Arkansas State and I just think it's hilarious that Butch Jones has a job again. That's all I wanted to say. I don't even really have a take on this. I, just, I don't have a take like, on it either. Oh, oh, it's back. He's back, but he's which back at a... one of which one of the SEC teams is gonna be interested in hiring him now that um, when he does good with Blake Anderson's players at Arkansas State. <laughs> um, Let's think about this. Okay, this is a fun game. I'm gonna go. I joke Tennessee because they're the most open. They're probably gonna be the job that's gonna be open next. But, <laughs> but they've already they've they already gone that route. Never do that. <laughs> um. Let's go with. I can see Mississippi State opening up in three years. I can see that happening. And Brett Butch Jones getting a shot at Mississippi State. I can see, see that it. Happening. I would hate it because it wouldn't work, but I could see it. Um, and then Tyler, I think I think that's pretty much it. I do want to talk about uh, Cristobal got an extension at Oregon. Yeah. Um, because of the search, uh, Jamie let Chadwell. Me, let me just say. Uh huh. Uh huh. That. I feel real validated by that decision that Mario Cristobal made. Okay. In, in, okay. in our previous argument, you, me, and Michael Phillips' argument about Mario Cristobal, should he take the Auburn job or not? First of all, it's not just his argument. I'm on his side. I am on well, Michael's yeah, side. Because I, I know. We tagged teams to, against you. I wanted to remind everyone that the crux of that argument was not that Auburn was a better historical job than Oregon. Uh-huh. is that Mario Cristobal's situation at, at Oregon right now Mm-hmm. is better than what you'd be walking into at Auburn. I get it. I get and it. He he seemed to agree. He he did Auburn seem to agree. Completely bungling that head coaching search probably helped. I was going to say I think I think it's more indicative of what's happening at Auburn right now and I you think are Brian, not wrong. If Brian but I'm going to take it as a win. <laughs> okay. All right. W- one thing I do a couple I want to mention, Justin Fuente got excuse me. He he got the the vote of death. I'm sorry, vote of confidence. Um because when it <laughs> 
because we've seen when you got to give your coach a vote of confidence. Yeah, it's not going too well, dude. Yeah. What what a fall from grace from Justin Fuente. Last year he was interviewing for the Baylor job, took it, changed his mind, went back, and it was just uh, it was bad. It was probably bad. It's just he took that job right now. It's a TikTok of of when. Like it's just a matter of time as to when that job opens up, and it would be interesting to see who gets it. I think a coach that could be in the possibility for that job is a Billy Napier, who's staying at Louisiana because I guess he didn't want. We were saying Billy Napier's gonna get the Auburn job before we knew how much of a madhouse it was over in Auburn. Um, but he said he reaffirmed. He said, "Hey, look, listen, I'm gonna keep going." Um, he's waiting for the job that he wants. He's waiting for the perfect job. My question here is, is his window going to close soon? I think his window closes after next year. I think okay. he, cause okay. I mean, he had a lot of really good pieces on that team. This will mm. probably, this will probably be the best Louisiana team he has. They'll be probably, they'll probably be fine next year. Uh huh. But you know, he's going to be replacing a quarterback next year. It's a big, not problem. just that, not just that, but like, I don't know what job will open up next year. Tennessee. Do you want the Tennessee job over Auburn in South Carolina? I think I would have taken know, the Auburn man. job. I don't know. I mean, you still got to play Saban every year if you go take take Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's not so you're you going don't to get a program out of them. that has less. I don't know. I don't know. I, that's the. It's either that or that's the only SEC job I could see him taking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because when I you're think... in consideration for the Auburn job. Mm-hmm. Tennessee job's the only one that I can really just that's gonna come open that I can really justify. Yeah. No, I get you. it. I get it. But we'll see. We'll see. And then Jamie I'd Chadwell. Love to see him in Virginia Tech. That yeah. would be fun. That'd be fun. Jamie Chadwell, the coach for the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, uh, he signs a seven year contract extension, which means the buyout has been renegotiated. Yep. Is what that means. Scott Frost did the same thing. Yep. The buyout has been renegotiated. Um, all right, Tyler, I think that's all I want to talk about with silly season going on here. Um, we didn't mention the Gators in this episode, and it's not because we're ducking the Cotton Bowl. I promise you we're not ducking the Cotton Bowl. But we're going to talk about that when we do our Florida Gators postmortem. We're going to get that episode out probably after the Natty review game episode. We're going to go back. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we probably watch some film, and we'll talk about what went right, what went wrong. Um, was it a successful season? We'll talk about the Cotton Bowl game, of course, in that context, um, and we'll go through all of that. At that appropriate time. We're not ducking it. There's more important things to talk about than Florida playing their backups and getting blown out by a really good Oklahoma team in a Cotton Bowl. All right? There's no – we're not going to go into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I do want to go into, Tyler, as we finish the show here, just real quick, is (laughs) – okay. We're going to do some NFL talk. Um, Yeah. Hey, you guys didn't have to – I mean, you've been sucking up with them for a long time, but, like, it's it's – it's NFL playoff season, yes. which means it's draft season, yes. which means it's free agent season, mm-hmm. which means it's what we're about to talk about. So, so I actually, I actually have, I disagree with you. The playoffs are actually canceled for this season. I don't know what you're talking about. There are no playoffs this year. It's just playoffs. Play, you talk, you're talking about playoffs? No, absolutely not. Um, no. Last time we talked to you, <laughs> last time we released an episode, the Dolphins were in contention for a playoff spot. They had to win and control their own destiny, win and get in. You have the literal best record of anyone to miss the playoffs. 10 and 6 baby. 10 and 6. Well, it's like it's similar to that year where the Dolphins won the division in 2007 where the Pats where Brady went down but the Pats went still went 11 and 5 with Matt Castle and they didn't and yeah. they didn't make the playoffs. I'm not saying we're we're the, we're the Patriots of 07, but like, you know, it's 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 tough. And listen, 
Tua did not play his best game um, to finish the season against the Bills. I get that. But we need to start seriously considering that this might be the best team in the AFC. I mean, I know Patrick Mahomes still exists. And I'm not saying that they're... Good thing is that they play each other. So. Exactly. So we'll find out. But I think this Bills team is probably the hottest team. There's, this Bills team is special. It's very special. It's very good football I'm team. I'm very interested to see what Josh Allen looks like without Brian Dayball next year. Correct. Correct. Um, so we'll see. But this 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 team mm-hmm. for the Bills is special. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about that. We're actually here to talk about a different quarterback. Um, his name is Deshaun Watson. And apparently rumors have circulated that he wants out of Houston, that he wants to be traded from the Texans and Tyler's rejoicing, rejoicing because hopefully he gets out of multiple reasons, multiple reasons. (laughs) Like he gets out of the division and doesn't have to play him two times a year. You know, I, I take no joy in the fact that my team does not have to play. will probably not have to play Deshaun Watson twice a year. anymore. This is the best thing for you because you get Trevor Lawrence. We have won one game against him in his career. You know what that was? Do you know what that was? Was it in 2017? His literal first game of his professional career where he didn't even play, and that was the best Jaguars team I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. He didn't even play in the second game that season. He was injured at that point, and he hasn't lost to us since. Okay. The reason Deshaun Watson wants out is because he had conversations with the owner, and the owner said, we want your input on hiring the general manager and the coach because he's a star quarterback and he's the only asset they have left. I won't consider J.J. Watt a massive asset because it's towards the end of his career or on the back half of his career. J.J. Watt's fine, but he's not an asset. Exactly. Like, he right. No one's unloading the no one's unloading uh the Brinks the Brinks truck, truck for J.J. to trade for J.J. to sign him maybe, but to trade it for him no. So he um so he said that he would have that Deshaun would have input. They then went out and hired a GM. Wasn't his input. And then... Deshaun, Deshaun, it wasn't even that it wasn't the one that Deshaun wanted. Right. It's, they they told Deshaun he would have input. And then he... Then they didn't, they didn't give him any input. Exactly. And then he... They lied. And then he uh, wanted Eric Bieniemy as his head coach, which would actually be so much fun if, like, for the, for the league. I thought that was where he was going to go. That's, it's just like, a good fit, like, football-wise. Him and Deshaun would be fantastic. And they didn't even interview him. They have yet to hire a coach, but they're the only team with an opening that hasn't interviewed him. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like I don't, I don't know what it is, racism, but you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Deshaun, Deshaun is mad and rightfully so, and so he wants out. So here's my question, Tyler: What are the realistic situations and landing spots for Deshaun Watson? And I want to go out, and I just want to, I want to quash this before you start. I'm sorry for asking a question and then cutting you off before you even answer the question. That's just horrific conversation and friendship but i need to get this out there i do not think deshaun watson will go to miami okay okay if that was to happen the package is tua one of our first rounders one of our second rounders if you can hold the third overall pick that would be ideal why is that because you can then flip the third overall pick for essentially a way to recoup the picks you missed and you're essentially just doing Deshaun for Tua straight up. And that would blow my well, mind. You could, you could even really wager a first rounder that you had next season with, like, pick 18. Mm-hmm. Because then if you kept three, you could flip that back for, for to a team that needs a quarterback mm-hmm. um, to get your first rounder back. Yeah, exactly. And you're essentially, you're essentially breaking even. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to clarify. 
Okay, first, I don't think he's not going to Jacksonville. He's not going to Indianapolis. He's not going to uh, Tennessee. Yeah, those are out. Um, because those are divisional opponents. Yeah. Now, people, I haven't actually publicly said this, but this is my official stance on the Sean Watson. If if he if that were even allowed for him to go to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. I would take him. I would take him over Trevor Lawrence. I don't know because as yes, but here's the thing. I know Deshaun Watson is a special quarterback at the NFL level. Yeah, you're right. And despite how much of a sure thing I think Trevor Lawrence is, he is still a prospect. It is still a guess. You're right. And Deshaun is entering his prime. He's not even in his prime yet. Yeah. That being said, it's not going to happen because Jacksonville is a divisional opponent. Correct. You know what? That's fine. I'll take the other Clemson star quarterback. (laughs) Um, That's my official position on it. Places he could go. All right, let's think. Front of the pot, Michael Phillips is thrown out. Um, Pittsburgh would be a great would be if they move on from Ben. If they move be on a great from place. Ben, yeah, I would love to see him play under Mike Tomlin. That would be fun. That would be fun. I would. They I, would. They would. I think fit. he would love that. I would love that. It would be so perfect. Honestly, from a neutral perspective, listen. Deshaun Watson was our first ever. That's our guy. Guy in on yeah. this pod. Like that. He was the first. That's our guy. We want him to, to succeed. To, guy. Honestly, honestly, he's still probably my favorite quarterback that I've ever like. The most fun quarterback that I've watched in like college and pro. Right. Like. Right. I don't know what it is, but when I watch him, I just it, I, I smile. Yeah. I smile. No, I'm with you. I love watching him play football. Well, I love it. So yeah. Pittsburgh would be fun. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Um. He could go to the Eagles. Our friend, friend. Noted Eagles fan Stephen Peters keeps trying to find ways for that to happen, and I'm like, think please happening. don't let Deshaun Watson go anywhere near the Philadelphia organization. Well, okay, but but him, but even he himself, friend of the pot Stephen Peters, said in that same group chat, the Texans want picks. The reason the Texans are even considering this is because Deshaun's their only asset. They already don't have any picks. Deshaun's their really? only asset. There's no platform for a rebuild. You're essentially just going to waste Deshaun's career. You might as well flip him, get some assets, and it's all because of the horrendous trades that Bill O'Brien made to my organization, which, love it, would 10 out of 10 love to see Bill O'Brien get another head coaching job again, or GM job again, so that he could just trade all his picks to Miami again. Would love to see that happen. But that's the reason they're in this mess. They need picks. So I don't think I don't think a package where, oh, throwing in Carson Wentz and this and that, whatever, that's why I don't think it's realistic to go to the Dolphins, because I don't think they'll just take Tua back. Because Tua will be in the exact yeah. same situation he's in in Miami, in, in a worse situation, because Miami at least has a fantastic defense and a young developing offensive line. I don't think it'll work yeah. in that sense. I think they're looking for, they're looking for. I want two first rounders, two uh, two first rounders, a second and a third, or or three seconds a fur. You know what I mean? They they want picks. Yeah. They want they need picks. There are two teams mm-hmm. that I think. Well, okay, there's obviously it, it, there's Atlanta with the whole Matt Ryan situation, mm-hmm. but that's the same thing as we're talking about with the, the Eagles and even the Dolphins, where it's like, at that point, you're trading quarterbacks, and that's kind of the allure of it, right. and you're getting some picks out of it. Right. But no, they probably want actual picks. Um, there's two teams that I think should really, really seriously be heavily in the running. Mm-hmm. The one that I want, which is the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. Um, trade Jimmy away to, to the Texans mm-hmm. in it. But te- but Jimmy GQ will not still not be the allure of this thing. Right. Give up a bunch of picks. Get Deshaun Watson for Kyle Shanahan's offense. Mm-hmm. Like, give the 49ers, who are typically an explosive rushing team with just a great offensive scheme mm-hmm. and a good defense, give them a special quarterback. If if that's the case, 
if if they can get that to go, and I know that they don't have as many picks as other teams, but they have enough. I think they have enough to swing the trade. Um, they're more towards the normal. They're more towards the normal amount, and I think if they get healthy, then I, I would place if Deshaun Watson goes to next year, and I know for a fact that that team is fully healthy going into next season. I'm allegedly placing a bet for them to be in the Super Bowl. That's how yeah. good that football team would be. They were in the Super Bowl. With, they almost won the Super Bowl with Jimmy GQ when they were healthy. Yeah, and they probably should have. Like they, they, yeah. they were like a, they were they were real close. They were like, they were a fantastic Patrick Mahomes play away from winning the game. So yeah, but let's let's mm-hmm. let's let's be honest here. Nope. Nope. The team nope. that it is most likely going to. No. 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 The answer is no, 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 no. It's the New England Patriots. No, 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 no. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know this was how our friendship ended. I was very surprised. I didn't know this was how we want this to happen. But look at it. Who is like the most likely GM head coach to just give up first rounders to get what they want? It's it's Emperor Palpatine up in up in Boston. Yeah, it's Bill Belichick. What do the what do the Patriots need right now? Everything well, they need weapons. They need weapons and a but and a we, quarterback. I, we talked about this with friends before. Like you can get weapons in places that aren't the first round. You know, correct. Like, correct. There's also free agency, and um, the second and the third and the fourth round. <laughs> fourth, yeah. Weapons can come. New England needs a quarterback. I know. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know. And and Deshaun Watson typically shreds New England's defense. Mm-hmm. He's played them multiple times. He's won several of them. Yeah. They, I'm just saying, I think it's going to happen. I mean, it could also, he could also get traded to the Jets for, for the number two pick. Okay, but, but in his case, he's just in the same spot. <laughs> yeah. He's in the same spot. And then, and then I, I want for his sake for him to go to a good team mm-hmm. with, he's going to have a good coach that will maximize his ability. Mm-hmm. I do as well. I just don't want that place to be New England it's for selfish yeah. reasons. Like I'm, I'm not about to have it go. Deshaun's in your division playing against you. To him being in my division playing against me. I, I don't want that. Why not? Because <laughs> like no, we're we're the answer is no, 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 no. I don't want it. I don't want it. Deshaun Deshaun had a ten win season and eleven win season when uh, with Bill O'Brien he as his head DeAndre, coach. With Bill O'Brien as head coach when he had DeAndre Hopkins. I know the possibilities are endless. I, I I understand. I just give him a good coach. See what happens. <sighs> see what happens. For this reason, I want him to go to San Francisco, just because I want to see San Francisco with a good quarterback, and I want to see Deshaun succeed. Yeah. But I don't think that will happen. Mm-hmm. Keep him away from Chicago. The irony um, of Chicago trading for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I kind of want that to happen just so we can all have a laugh. It would be like, it would be full circle. It would be fantastic. It would be great content. Be like, oh, interesting. How the turntables. Incredible. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think you send him to Detroit. I don't think you send him to... I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated. I would love to see him in Carolina. What about New Orleans? Oh, you know I would love because, that. Because right now they have like the great value version of the great value version of the great value version of Deshaun Watson in gadget player Taysom Hill. Because all signs That's a stretch. all signs are point I I did three great value versions, dude. I watered him down That's three still times. A stretch. <laughs> Jeez. Um no, but I think that Bree's probably gonna retire. Comparing a Maserati in a bicycle. <laughs> you are not wrong. Uh 
I, I feel like Drew Brees is done after this season, and so... I think he's done. I think he's done. Yeah, I think he's done, especially after that rib injury. So I think, you know, what do they have the picks? Do they have the way to get him? Who knows? We'll see. Um, They've been mortgaging a lot of their stuff to win now, mm-hmm. and I think that was a smart decision. Yeah. Considering what the way their team is built. Right. But it is a matter of, are they going to be able to do that? Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. Um, I I would love that. Mm-hmm. He would have a much better coach. I think much so. better offensive. It'd be fun to see him in New Orleans. Can, it would be fun to see him in New Orleans. I know friends of the pod, Storm uh, Tracy, would love to see that. Just get him out of my division. <laughs> Hopefully, don't send him to yours. I see. Because, well, if I he goes to my division, I want him on my team. <laughs> you know, and that, yeah. and and again, um, I love Tua, and you ever you all know how I feel about Tua. Tua, I think Tua's it. I I really do. We need to get him some weapons. So the numbers this year showed that. He was one of the most more accurate passers in the league. He was throwing into tighter windows than almost anybody in the league. And when Gailey was giving him the green light to throw the ball, he showed he could do it. And he's only a first-year rookie. And he only played nine games because he was recovering from a massive life-threatening or career-threatening hip injury a little over a year ago. Like, give the man a full offseason. Give the man an offensive coordinator that wants him to throw the ball. Give the man somebody that doesn't drop the football and I think he's succeeds. He succeeds. Like I'm all in on Tua, but if I can flip Tua right now for a proven Deshaun Watson, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. It's no disrespect to Tua, no disrespect no, at all. No, because Deshaun Watson is special. Because Deshaun Watson is is it. Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback playing in Houston with no one. With no Deshaun one. Deshaun won four games this year and and still put up. Deshaun led the league. Enviable numbers. Deshaun led the league in passing yards. Like, bruh. <laughs> he's insane so i once had a person when he was in college say do you think he's gonna be a quarterback at the nfl level i think he has to switch to wide receiver and i almost slapped him <laughs> turns out i'm right <sighs> like remember when we the first year of our podcast we were sitting in a conference room at the university of florida trying to figure out why people wouldn't take deshaun watson <laughs> yeah yeah no, I mean, on this pod <laughs> racism yeah well and um, i think with that tyler i think it's time to end the segments and subsequently end the show um that's been a little bit of taste of what we're going to do in terms of draft coverage later on um in the year we're going to wrap up the championship game on our next episode we will then the episode after that come back with a post-mortem for the florida gators talk about what went right what went wrong what we would like to see changes happening all that and that and then after that, Tyler, I think we jump into draft draft season once the NFL season has ended. I think I think that uh that's a good time to jump in. Yeah. The NFL draft is on my 25th birthday, April 29th. Um awesome. so hopefully the Dolphins give me two, maybe three if we get to trade down from the number 3 overall pick. We'll see pieces of good news. I'm kind of I'm I'm team trade down if I'm you guys because like, I'm team because there's so many teams below you, right? And in the fifth, in the teens mm-hmm. that need a quarterback, mm-hmm. and you have the number three. Pick. So here's my thing: I'm team a little taste, right? Before we before we sign off, I am team trade down, but I am like I'm like sixty percent trade down, thirty forty uh, percent take Penisol, because generational left tackles do not grow on trees. You're you're very right, and I understand. I think that's the only player you pick, and that's agreed, fine. agreed. And I understand that we drafted three rookie offensive linemen, and they played relatively well this season. They're going to grow and they're going to develop. 
Um, I jokingly said I would much rather have Austin Jackson than Minka Fitzpatrick. Obviously not. Minka's a better football player. But I like the way that that pick ended up, and I think there's potential in there in the future. Um, I wouldn't mind taking Penny Sewell and reshuffling the line because, again, uh, generational offensive tackles do not grow on trees, and he is very clearly going to succeed from day one in the NFL. Um, throw him at right tackle because two is a, uh, a lefty. I think it would work well. But if we don't take Penny Sewell, I'm a thousand percent in on trading down because there are so many teams that need the picks. You're right. You know, so many teams need them. So many situations. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm very, I'm very interested to see what Urban Meyer is going to do with the other 10 of our Jacksonville's picks. Um, <laughs> Interesting. And we'll have to wait and see for that again. We'll be back with a natty. Well, we're going to have a conversation about that when that happens. That's a whole, that's what might be, that might be a whole episode. I've got thoughts. That might be an episode, Tyler. That might be a full episode. Yeah. Um, next episode, obviously we're going to talk about the natty. Then we'll talk about this episode after that. We'll talk about the Gators and the episode after that. We'll see where we are. Probably jump into draft coverage. Maybe see what's going on around college football. Maybe some hires. All that jazz. Ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the offseason. It's fun content time. Fun content time. Not just reviewing games. Um, Tyler, anything else you want to say before we sign off on the show? Uh, no, not really. Just a reminder, everyone, please stay safe out there. Yes, um, yes, please. Especially post-holidays. Please, uh, please, please. And enjoy the NFL games that are this weekend. We've got two straight, two days of playoff games. And then we got Monday night. We got a championship football game that we felt we think is gonna be good it's the, it's the last bit of it's the last game of college football we're gonna get for a while mm-hmm. um and my 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 i don't know if your position is on this but my official position on it is that if they need to postpone it just do it because like i i've watched this entire season where games are played with half a team yeah i'd prefer not to do it one more time listen if but then again just kind of get the season over. Listen, so. I want to see I want to see Justin Fields go up against Bama. I don't want to see his backup. So yeah, let's do that. Alrighty, yeah. uh, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we are not biased, but Tyler, since the Heisman is over, I think it's only right that we go back and we say, "Go Gators." Go Gators. <laughs>